Welcome to Passive Real Estate Investing, the show where busy people like you learn how to build substantial passive income while creating wealth for the long term. And now, here's your host, Marco Santarelli. It's my pleasure to welcome Maddie Aitchison to the show. Maddie is a millennial entrepreneur, real estate investor, and wealth building evangelist who has had great success following his turbulent start. Ranked in the Wall Street Journal's top 1,000 for real estate teams nationwide, Maddie has personally flipped over 100 houses in five years and now passionately mentors others on their journey of unlocking a rich and fulfilling life. Maddie, welcome to the show. Hey, it's a pleasure to be here, Marco. Thanks for having me, man. My pleasure to have you on the show. You have an interesting background. You're a relatively young guy, and if I'm not mistaken, I think you're in your late 20s. Is that true? That's correct, yep. Yeah, so again, another another millennial. I think you're the second or third millennial I've had on the show here in the recent nice. past. And, and you guys, you know, not only intrigue me, but you guys inspire me. But you have an interesting background, Maddie. And, and why don't we start off by you telling us about yourself and your background? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm from Sacramento, California, and born and raised here. Uh, was heavily, you know, into sports. And it's funny, I a lot of people ask me, you know, how did you get into real estate investing? And um, I go back to when I was 12, 13, 14. My mom, who's always worked in corporate America her whole life, uh, was going to, you know, those guru flipper seminars. And she would take me with her. And so at a young age, I was kind of exposed to this idea of real estate investing being this vehicle for wealth building. And it had the ability to, you know, put no cap on your income. You had the freedom to be your own boss. You could, you know, add value to communities and, and people in that space. And so it had kind of always been in the back of my head, but I actually, you know, got into trouble a little bit in school as you know, most teens often do, and I was expelled from high school, and I uh, went on to go to UC Santa Barbara for college. In my first year in college, I actually got arrested for the exact same thing that got me expelled from high school, and so that was kind of my fork in the road, my you know, oh shiz moment, I like to call it, of thinking, man, what am I doing with my life? The direction that I said I wanted to go in was not... Uh, being backed up by my actions. So my video and the things that I was doing was not matching my audio and the things that I was saying and telling people that I wanted to accomplish. And so I had a big reflection time uh, at that point in my life. And I remember um, my dad actually spoke some great wisdom to me at that point in my life where I could have gone in a really wrong direction. And he said, you know, your, your rear view mirror is there for a reason. And I want you to look at this as an opportunity to say your past doesn't have to equal your future. And so I decided to, you know, keep my my focus on the windshield and the vision, but also kept in mind, you know, the rear view mirror, keeping me aware of what was, you know, behind me, but what led me to where I was currently at. And I decided to, you know, start leading an intentional life. And I really started pouring into myself with personal development and I wanted to, you know, be an entrepreneur. So I graduated from UC Santa Barbara and decided to start my real estate team uh, that we have operating in a traditional space. And at the same time, I started investing in real estate and realized how passionate I was with real estate investing. And that led me to starting a construction company. So building up this ecosystem of real estate that, you know, fed and cross pollinated one another, but also you know, allowed me to play in my passion zone. And so that's kind of what's led me here today is 
real estate investing and wealth building and focusing on not only how I can create a legacy of wealth for myself, create opportunity for those around me and really becoming more of a coach and mentor now with passing that on to others who you know, may be a little bit lost or not have a clear vision of what they can create in their life. And, and that's what has inspired me to go down, you know, the current path that I'm on right now. What a great story and brilliant words of wisdom from your dad. I mean, that puts you on back on the right track because you knew where you were going because you were able to look in that rearview mirror and see where you were coming from. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of people feel like their past, you know, defines where they're able to go moving forward. And if all we did was focus on the rearview mirror, not only would we crash, right, but we'd lose sight of everything that's in front of us. And, you know, I didn't want that to be me. And I didn't want to be a statistic and I wanted to not only prove others wrong, but I wanted to prove myself right that I knew I could accomplish what I wanted to accomplish and then some. So, you know, when he said that how you respond to this make mistake, because at the end of the day, we're all human beings. We all make mistakes. It's not going to be the last one I make. But how I respond to those mistakes, you know, it's the life is 10% of what happens to us and 90% of how we respond to that. And so when I started wrapping my head around that, I realized I had a lot of growth first and foremost that I needed to do in order to become the person that would attract those things into my life that I said I wanted. And uh, having, you know, uh, someone like that in my life was, you know, very um, influential at the time that I needed it most. And so not a lot of people have that in their life. And that's why I'm so passionate about openly speaking about this kind of stuff and sharing it as much as possible because uh, you never know, you know, who's going to take that one little bit of uh, advice you get and run with it and it's going to change the course of their life. So I'm a perfect example of that. I like what Tony Robbins says. He says, your destiny is shaped in your moments of decision. And so we've got to constantly think about the decisions we make and how that's going to change the trajectory of where we're going. And you're a great example of that. I appreciate that. Yeah, you know, trying to be a, a constant um, role model first and foremost for my daughter and my family and then obviously other people that are paying attention to and watching what I'm doing and, you know, the person that I was at that point in time uh, was embarrassing to me. And I, you know, didn't want to to leave that kind of legacy behind. So it was time to make some changes. And it's, you know, led me down this beautiful journey of personal growth. And more importantly, uh, being intentional about, you know, how I can not only build my own wealth in this process, but help other people do the same for themselves. Yep. Powerful. Now, did I hear correctly? I think I read this somewhere or I heard it somewhere that you made $100,000 on your very first deal. Is that true? Is that possible? I, I did, man. And you know what? Um, those are so few and far between. I didn't realize how lucky I'd gotten when I actually did it. But yes, I did. I netted over 100000 on my very first flip. It was from a bandit sign in a neighborhood uh, and after you know hundreds of nasty phone calls of telling me to take it down and who the heck am I to, you know, pollute their neighborhood with that garbage up on the telephone pole? And I will tell you what, that all those nasty calls were well worth it when I landed that first deal. And uh, that was really what, you know, catapulted me on my journey of using real estate flipping as a vehicle for opening up doors in other areas of wealth creation. 
Um, just out of curiosity, because I'm sure some of the listeners are wondering where that was and what was the, the condition or the situation of, of that deal, meaning was it a distressed seller that was going through foreclosure? Just give us a little bit about that deal so we, we know what it is. It was, you know, at the time, obviously, right, you don't know what you don't know until you know it. And I didn't know a whole lot of how to be a real estate investor and how to negotiate and how to, you know, know whether it's a home run or if it's a, you know, base hit. But when I ran into it, I got a call from a gentleman who um, he was wanting to sell his mom's house and his mom was a hoarder. She had, I think, over 60 stray cats coming in and out of her house at one time. So <laughs> you can imagine walking into that house, the smell just smacking the upside the head. And uh, at the end of the day, you know, that opportunity that I provided them was a total win-win. He wanted to move his mom out of that house due to her health and some of some some other family reasons within 48 hours. And I had never come across a deal like that again where someone literally said, I'm so motivated, I want to have this done in 48 hours. And so I went over there and before I could even get a price out, he basically just said, you give me this and I'll take it and we'll close escrow. And so I didn't have a chance to underwrite it yet. We were on site. He said, you give me $75,000 for it. It's yours. Um, we want to take our stuff, pack up and leave. If you can close escrow within seven days, you got a deal. So I went back and underwrote the deal, ran it by a few mentors, being that I didn't know a lot about you know what I was getting myself into yet. And it ended up being a house that I put um, about $30,000 in. I got it for 75, put it in about 30, and I ended up selling it for 212 or 215. Wow. Wow. Talk about a deal on a silver platter. Yeah. So that, like I said, those ones don't come around often. I wish they did. And at the end of the day, that was kind of my, I don't want to say my, you know, destiny or my fate to get that deal, but I felt like that was a sign from the universe for me to say, hey, you need to explore this as a path of, you know, creating more wealth and financial freedom for yourself. And the really cool thing was being able to see how happy that family was to get this problematic property off of their plate. And, you know, for some people, they mean, man, you know, that was a really, you know, low offer. And that was one of the situations where I, I didn't even negotiate that. It was just kind of thrown on my plate. And so those are really, really rare whenever I am negotiating, you know, for fix and flip deals. I'm always looking for that win-win where it makes sense. It's ethical. There's high integrity in it. Yep. And, um, you know, those types of opportunities don't come around often. So uh, looking back, I'm extremely grateful for that. And that's so important. The deal has to be a win-win or win-win-win because everybody has to walk away from that transaction feeling like they got something out of it. And if they don't, then probably someone took advantage of, of another person. And real estate investors and particularly real estate flippers are looked down upon by so many people because they think that they are taking advantage of the other person, that they're they're ripping them off and, and stealing what is theirs, like their equity. But the reality is, is there's a lot of people that have life situations, financial situations where they don't need to milk every dime out of that property. They're happy to walk away with a little bit of a profit or a break even or just to get a hassle off of their back. And so for them, it's a good thing, just like in your example here. And for you, it was a good thing. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, I think a lot of people in the real estate investing space are 
you know, as investors or even buy and hold are looked down upon somewhat in a negative light. And I will tell you, you know, that stigma at the end of the day is kind of, it's often earned. There's a lot of people that do take advantage of others and they do it, you know, to, to make a quick buck. And so that was one thing going into this that I learned from some of my mentors of you always operate with a high level of integrity, a high level of ethics. There's always that win-win and, you know, you don't step over someone to make a dollar. And, you know, for me, this is my personal strategy. This is my personal brand and how I wanted to design it was something that was, you know, made up of those foundational pillars of integrity and ethics and finding that win-win. And so, you know, there's been times where I've passed on deals that, you know, didn't have that silver lining for both parties. And it's one of those things that I'm constantly looking at that from all angles because I'm going to be in this game for a very long time. And so one, I want to be able to sleep at night. And two, I want to make sure that anybody that I am doing business with, I am helping them, not taking advantage of them because that is uh, something that a lot of people do in, in the real estate investing space. And so I'm a big, big proponent of always looking for that win-win for, for other people. And, you know, a lot of the times with real estate investors too, you know, if you're buying from the courthouse steps or you're buying foreclosure, there isn't another person on the other side of the deal that their livelihood is on the line for. So those are, you know, great negotiating opportunities to get something from a bank or an asset manager or something along those lines. But when it comes to true human beings, at the end of the day, this is a human to human transaction. And as much as it's just numbers for us and it's black and white and it's not as much emotion, on the other side, these are distressed families, distressed situations. So keeping that high level of integrity in the forefront of when you negotiate is absolutely imperative. And I talk about that often with the people that I mentor and coach. Yep. Brilliant. So Maddie, I, I'm probably going to title this show, the pros and cons of rehabbing and flipping. And our listeners know that this show is passive real estate investing. And I categorize real estate into two basic categories, active and passive. Passive being you know, you're purchasing rent ready or turnkey investment properties. So there's very little work to be done, meaning that it's all on the front end. It's really the financing, your due diligence, the inspections and that kind of stuff. You're not rolling up your sleeves and picking up tools and getting your hands dirty doing rehabbing, um, you know, finding distressed properties or dealing with distressed sellers. So there's, there's two camps here. There's the passive real estate investing and there's active real estate investing. And where you're coming from, is the space of finding these deals, these distressed properties or distressed seller situations, fixing them up, and then you're either flipping them or you're keeping some of them for yourself. What I want to do is talk about the pros and cons of rehabbing and flipping because I know some of our clients have asked us about it or they're talking to us about it. They're asking us if we can help them do that um, or where they can turn to for more information or or to investigate it or maybe to get some mentoring or coaching because they do want to try it. They have the time or they have the thick skin and they want to take the risk. So having said all that, let's start off by describing, in your opinion, what all the pros are and what the cons are of rehabbing and flipping property. Yeah. So, I mean, in regards to it being active, you know, at the end of the day, anything can truly become passive, right? So I look at real estate investing for the flipping space, it's a model, right? 
Mm-hmm. And with the right model and the right systems and the right leverage or people, uh, it can be a passive income stream. And so if I look at my business, while I am passionate and I love being in the art of the deal and finding the deals and negotiating that win-win with myself and sellers, um, I'm only one hire away from replacing myself and making my flipping business a passive income stream for me. So any opportunity in business at the end of the day that has model systems and the right people in it can become a passive income stream for you. So I like to at least preface that first and foremost, but also the pros of real estate flipping is it truly allows you to create the income that will in turn provide you the opportunity to go out and buy income streams. So that's why I love the strategy of flip one, buy one or flip two, buy one or depending on you know what your potential model is, you're the one who can design it, flip five, buy one. Use flipping as a vehicle to create enough income to go out and buy assets that will pay you a passive income. So that's why I really enjoy real estate flipping. One, because I enjoy finding the opportunity to help families in, in tough situations. I love rehabbing a house that you know has been a total eyesore for a neighborhood and it brings up the value in the neighborhood and you know gets everybody fired up on having a new family come in and contribute to the neighborhood. So those are all great benefits. I love the design aspect of it, which is really, really fun. Um, and I love the team aspect of it too, because there's a lot of moving pieces to it where you can run it as a one man show and wear multiple hats, which is great. Um, at the same time, having a, a, a team around you makes it one, a little bit more passive and two, you can focus on the areas that you are most passionate in, in that entire process. But at the same time, um, real estate flipping, like you said, con-wise, there are some, I would say, challenges or things that need to be um, taken into account and overcome, which is you know, things like having the right people on the bus with you and making sure that you have the right team around you. Secondly, uh, contractors is always a big conversation with the people that I coach and mentor in my mastermind group and finding those people to really plug into the system that you have um, is it can be a challenge. So the team aspect of it can be a great benefit if you have the right people on and can make it passive for you. And on the contrary, it can also be a major headache and require you to wear a lot of different hats. And like you said, roll up your sleeves and have to do a lot of the work where depending on what you're netting at the end of the day on the flip, um, and how many hours and time and energy you're putting into that, you can calculate what your hourly rate is. And sometimes, you know, I've seen people actually have a negative hourly rate based on what they made and how much time they put into it. So you got to make sure you have the right systems and models and mentorship and people in your world to make this a truly lucrative vehicle. And oftentimes you can't squeeze, you know, water out of a rock. So if you don't have the right um, formula for it, it can be a very challenging thing. Secondly, you know, passive income, um, on the passive income side of it with rentals, there's a lot of, you know, tax advantages and there's a lot of other advantages that go along with it. Well, real estate flipping necessarily doesn't have that same benefit, but I do always like to look at it in the way that it generates enough cash for me to go out and buy one of those opportunities. 
and the wealthiest people that I've been able to research and study, um, they don't go create income streams, they go and buy income streams. And so this is my vehicle that allows me to go out and do that. You've packed a lot into the last couple of minutes there. So let me see how much I can remember and comment on here. <laughs> I went on a little bit. Get me fired up on something I'm passionate about. I'll go for days. No, I'm, I'm glad you, you laid it all out there. And there's some other things, too, that I'm going to throw out on the table here as well. But I certainly agree with you with the concept of anybody who's doing this, if they flip two, keep one, or flip three, or flip four, and keep one, that's the way to do it. Because I like to call it uh, chunks of cash and streams of cash or cash flow. I mean, you can label it however you want. But regardless of whether you are saving money or you have a side business or you have multiple businesses or two jobs, ultimately you want to accumulate enough cash to convert into streams of income or cash flow. And ultimately that's what you're doing. So you're really just taking rehabbing and turning it into a job, a business. For some people it's a hobby, but that's not the end goal. You're not necessarily rehabbing and flipping properties for the sake of creating these piles of cash. You want to create cash flow and that leads to ultimately financial freedom. I mean, that's really the end goal, is it not? Absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, right, real estate flipping for the majority of people, it's a vertical income stream, right? So if I decided to run off to Mexico tomorrow for two months, if I go away, my flipping business slows down or it stops. And so unless you have the team and the leverage around you, at the, it, it's considered a vertical income stream. But I do use this vertical income stream as an opportunity for me to go out and buy horizontal income streams, which is the passive income opportunities where if I decide to run to Mexico tomorrow, I am able to continue collecting a monthly cash flow from it. And so my goal is and one thing that I coach and train and teach a lot of people on is the idea that your vertical income can allow you the opportunity to go build wealth through buying assets that will pay you an income. And the goal is to be a hundred percenter and the hundred percenter equals true financial freedom. And what I mean by that is when I buy enough rental properties to where a hundred percent of my passive income from those properties covers a hundred percent of my living expenses, then I am financially free, right? I can decide that, you know, 5,000 a month of rental income covers, say, 5,000 a month of all of my expenses, mortgage, groceries, you know, childcare, whatever it may be, 5,000 covers 5,000, then I can go run off to Mexico for that month and I am out of the rat race. And so that's why I love flipping is because it gives me the opportunity to keep chipping away at that goal and to keep chipping away towards financial freedom and remove myself from those day-to-day -day activities that vertically require me to be involved. It's one way to help fast track that process because you're limited by your capital and your credit uh, primarily capital and credit to accumulate those income producing properties. So this is a way for you to just accelerate that process by creating that, that cash flow. And so again, I, I mean, I'm not minimizing it in any way, but I just call it another business. It, it doesn't matter whether you're rehabbing or doing something else. If you can create additional cash flow to reinvest into income producing assets, you're achieving the same end goal. Absolutely. So there's all these house flipping shows on TV, on TLC, HGTV, and whatnot. Yep. And, and, you know, I, I think in many ways those shows are doing a disservice to people because they, they watch those and they get excited. 
and and there's a lot of Hollywood in that. There's a, there's a I have a very good friend who's actually recording 13 episodes of a new show that's coming out as if we need another house flipping show. <laughs> so, you know, that's going to be live next spring and it's just yet another house flipping show and I think a lot of people are sold the sexy part of this business but they don't get to see, you know, some of the downsides. I think the risks is you know, there's the potential to lose money. And I'm doing what you're doing. You know, I'm, I'm acquiring some distressed properties and rehabbing them and then keeping some and flipping some. And I'll make money on more of those deals than I'll lose. But I have lost um, money on some of the flips that I've done. And, and that's just the nature of the beast because you don't know if there's a, a major foundation issue when you're going in sometimes or some other hidden problem with the roof. You thought it was good, but it's not. So that's an extra five, six, seven thousand $7,000 out of your pocket. So there is that risk. And then there's another risk that I'll just throw out on the table and I call it stress. You know, for some people, flipping homes is just too stressful and time consuming. And and that's why they opt to go with the passive route. What are your comments about the potential to lose money and the stress factor? Yeah, you know, I've lost on two deals of the 100 plus that I've done. And those were potentially unforeseen things that as much due diligence as I could have done um, not necessarily foreseeable. So sometimes there is that risk of, you know, getting into a deal where you can lose money. And so I do tell people at the end of the day, yeah, there, there, there's definitely the potential of that happening. Now there's many things though that you can do in order to minimize or eliminate that risk. Um, and a few of those things that immediately come to mind for me are one mentorship is such a, a big thing. Don't think that you know it all. Surrounding yourself with other people who have done it, who are more experienced, who can give you a second set of eyes. I joint ventured on my first, gosh, 10 plus deals in order to get that that education and to understand how to do it the right way, how to do it at a high level. And so, yeah, I gave away a little bit of money, but it also was the price of an education that shortened that learning curve for me significantly. So mentorship is a big one too, is you can always truly, if you understand how to underwrite a deal properly and I'm conservative on my underwriting. So for example, I don't want to be the highest ARV comp after repair value. I don't want my comp to be the highest. I want it to be the, you know, middle range of all the comps that are on the market, but I want it to be the best product. So I'll be conservative on what I'm, I'm going to put it back on the market at. I will overestimate what my construction costs are going to be. So I leave myself some room there because that's where a lot of people end up blowing their budget as well and losing money. And then I also am aggressive on the amount of time that I think it's going to take to sell. So I add in an additional you know, month or two for potential holding costs over what the average days on market are for a particular house in that neighborhood that I'm flipping. And then I am just making sure that when I run those numbers, I'll actually add a, you know, a five or 10% miscellaneous buffer to make sure that I am protecting myself. So you may miss out on a few deals that way, but you will also ensure that you don't lose on more deals than the ones that you went on. And so that's really helped me make sure that I am able to insulate my business and minimize the risk. Yeah, I completely agree. When I rehabbed my first couple of properties, I jumped in with with the aid of a real estate agent that I was working with at the time. 
and you know, I had some people on my team because I was introduced to a contractor, a general contractor who brought in all the subcontractors. So I didn't have to worry about that piece, but I was working with a real estate agent who showed me around and I didn't have any rehabbing experience. Well, I shouldn't say any, I had very little. And so I made a lot of mistakes and I, I agree with you that there's a lot of value in partnering with someone who has done it before that can show you, you know, how to do it, the right and the wrong, what to avoid, how to find the deals and all that good stuff. It'll shortcut your, your learning curve. It'll shortcut your path to success. So whether it's a coach, a mentor, some sort of educational program, you know, whatever it's going to take, it's better to educate yourself and do it with someone or with someone's competent material uh, so you know what you're doing. Because let's face it, a lot of people make mistakes. Yeah, absolutely. And you're going to. I mean, especially in this game, you just can't account for everything. Same thing as on a rental. You know, it, 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 real estate, we always say every deal is an ordeal. And it's true. There will always be something new that comes up. I've had a crummy month of random things coming up on files that have totally thrown a wrench in my plans that I didn't necessarily account for. But because of some of the buffers and some of the things that I've used to build a, a, a moat and protect my, my opportunities of the flips that I, I have, you know, I'm able to make sure that I'm not losing my butt on those. So a lot of people, you know, you got to surround yourself with the right people, the right resources, and make sure that you have the right skills and knowledge because what you see on TV is, is not the truth. And it's fun to watch, but you look at the numbers that they're sharing. There are so many other things on a spreadsheet that need to be taken into account for with cost of money and days on market and state. I mean, there's so many fees and things that aren't accounted for in those shows and that they don't show you and that are just purely scripted, obviously, for the drama and excitement of TV, like what you said of, you know, Hollywooding it up. But at the end of the day, um, you know, you do some of the things that you and I just talked about and that will give you the best chance to win by stepping into this, you know, this arena. Yeah. And before we leave the pros and cons thing here, I'm going to throw out a few more things. I think the biggest driving motivator is the potential to make a good profit. I think that's why a lot of people want to flip houses is because they they hear these great stories of people making, you know, ten, twenty thousand dollars on a flip, or you know, if you're in California, it could be fifty, hundred thousand dollars on a flip. And, you know, that gets people's attention. It, your ears perk up. But, you know, there is the potential to lose money too. Um, so if you learn what you're doing and you get good at it and you have the right team, I think you can be successful far more than you're a failure. But there's two intangibles as far as pros or benefits. People who do take the time and the effort and, and the risk to do this really go through a personal development phase. There's the time and the money, but you gain valuable experience from flipping a house, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. One, you learn a lot about yourself. And you know, as much as I would love to say it's not as stressful industry, I mean, there will be times where you know, you, you second guess yourself, you question yourself, but the growth, not only from a skill building standpoint of understanding the industry and how to navigate it at a high level, um, will come out of that. But you'll also kind of have a newfound confidence of how you learn how to problem solve and build relationships with your team and how you communicate and the scripting. I mean, there's so many other things outside of just the monetary compensation you collect at the end of closing, a, you know, a flip there are many other benefits from a personal development standpoint that I can say uh, are priceless, as cliche as that might, may sound, in what you learn and who you become 
in that process and to truly understand the numbers of how to make money in real estate, I mean, that is something that few and far between know. And if you can really pour into yourself and understand that at a high level, not only are you empowering yourself to build wealth in the process, but shift your mindset of how can I not only go from being the quarterback or the operator to becoming the coach and the mentor for other people. And that's the kind of stuff that gets me fired up. Yeah, there's a lot there. I mean, there's negotiating skills. There's uh, delegating tasks, managing your time, holding people accountable. Uh, and, you know, and then you learn about construction and real estate to boot. So, you know, it's a people business and, and there's a lot of benefits that you're going to get out of it if you want to do it. So, right. you know, I, I learned a long time ago from, uh, from an author, real estate guru, uh, Robert Allen, that when it comes to real estate, there's three basic parts to it. There's finding properties there's funding those properties and then farming those properties and farming meaning you know how do you harvest the profits from each deal so uh, let's just touch upon those three categories real quick in terms of finding the deals and you don't need to go into a lot of detail about this because I know we could have a whole show on just finding deals sure because you could talk about bandit signs and auctions and wholesalers and all that stuff but where do you find your deals? And, and in your opinion, what do you find are the best sources for finding those deals? Yeah, so mine, my, my best sources are having consistent direct mail campaign. Um, that, that always keeps the phone ringing, which is great. The second is my website, myfastcashsale.com, which is basically my you know lead capture site for motivated sellers online who are looking to get a fast cash offer on their property. So, you know, there's plenty of different companies that can build you a little website or you can customize and create your own um, that generates some consistent traffic through pay-per-click and SEO and other different channels of driving traffic to that. And then the other one are pure networking opportunities. So, you know, basically alliances with attorneys, divorce probate, estate planning, um, alliances with, like you said, wholesalers, the networking aspect of it and making sure that you have your you know, your, your line, um, fishing in a couple different ponds is important. You don't want to just rely on one stream to, to bring it in. So, um, those would be, I'd say my top three would be direct mail and my website. And then, uh, the other ones trickle in from kind of the network and the resources that I've built up over time. Now, what about funding these? Are you using uh, hard money to pay for the acquisition or are you funding it with your own cash? So I'm actually funding most of them with no money in of my own. Um, and I have a private lender that is a kind of a cool story of how I met this private lender. I ended up uh, meeting them from one of my mailers. They got my mailer on one of their rentals that they were looking to sell, ended up hitting it off with them. And long story short, they ended up selling 19 of their rentals through my traditional real estate company. And freeing up a bunch of liquid cash so they could become my private lender. And so they are my private lender. I have a couple million with them. And um, based on their first position loan, I leverage other people's um, money for the second. So I would say about 80, 85% of my properties, I have no money in on them. Do you ever use hard money? I do not. I, um, I did for my first two deals just to kind of get things going because I didn't have a private lender and I didn't have a lot of cash myself. Um, but hard money lending is a great option for many people to get financing for their, you know, for their flips. 
Yeah, the LTV on on uh, hard money is about 70-75%, I believe. Yep. Yeah. And so you're you're still going to be required to come to the table with some correct cash out of pocket. So it's not like it's a no money down type of venture. Yeah, and I do want to add, you know, for people that say, "Well, man, I don't know if I have 20 five or 30 percent to bring to the table and then potentially construction costs on top of that and what i would say was if you really truly found a great deal my first mentor always said you find the deal and the money will follow and that sounds a little you know woo woo cliche but at the end of the day if it really is a good deal and there's enough margin in it uh, people will fund your deal uh, if you have the right conversation with the right person and you address the right uh, questions and answers that they are seeking to make sure that they feel protected and insulated in that investment opportunity. And secondly, um, you know, the 20 to 30% that you may not have, it's, it's not that hard to go out and find someone who's willing to invest 20 or 30 or 40 or $50,000 and you can give them a great return that is, you know, 10 to 12%. That is, you know, if you need to do a little profit sharing with them, so be it. Uh, so there's many ways to structure a deal. And I know a lot of people, me inclu in included, when I was first starting, thinking that financing was going to be what kept me from getting started. And I am here to tell you that uh, with the right conversation and the right creative structuring and conversations that you will be able to fund your deals if they are a deal. Hey, Maddie, where are your deals? You're in California, right? I am in California, so we're in Sacramento, and I flip basically anywhere. I mean, the furthest property I flipped is about three hours from me, so wherever the deal makes sense, I will go. However, I like to flip in a kind of a tri-county area around my hub and my main um, you know, point of choosing to make sure that I have the ability to check up and manage and oversee those properties accordingly. But um, I will go outside of my realm and now uh, through some of the things that we're doing, we're going to be expanding outside of the state. Okay. So these are obviously retail flips, meaning you're, you're selling them to homeowners, not to investors. Correct. Some of them, depending on the price point, um, are going to investors though. Okay. And then the ones you keep, you self-manage or are you outsourcing that to property management? Yep. yep. I self-manage, have an amazing admin staff who take care of that and that's something where you know a lot of people I do recommend outsourcing it just because it's if you don't if you're not in the industry and understand the ins and outs of it on a daily basis and how challenging it can be um, it's a big undertaking but uh, my lovely staff handles all that for me and I'm uh, very grateful that uh, they're able to do that but for most people there's the best option is to, to outsource it to somebody else who is the expert in that space like yourself that can make sure that the income that they're collecting and the asset that they are buying is uh, is being managed at its highest and best. Okay. So before we wrap up here today, two questions. First is, uh, is there anything else you want to add to anything we've covered today that would be useful for our listening audience, knowing that they're primarily passive real estate investors, but some of them might be interested in trying out or becoming an active real estate investor, whether as a hobby or a business. Is there any kind of advice or guidance you can give them? Yeah, absolutely. Well, we, we talk a lot about this in uh, my mastermind group, and we have a, a group called the, the Six Figure Flipper, which basically helps people oversee the true process 
of becoming a six-figure flipper, whether that's one flip a year or 20 flips a year. But one of the things that I constantly am talking about is this whole wealth equation of how you go out and create wealth is using what we talked about, right? The the vertical income to go buy income streams for you. So, and and by doing that, um, a lot of people say, okay, well, I'm going to draw a line in the sand. And when I get to that side of the line, then I'm going to start. And what I like to challenge people on is procrastination is the single biggest wealth killer. And, you know, by the time you're you know, 35, you say, well, when I get to 40, I'll start. Or when I'm 50 and I retire, then I'll start doing it, you know, when I'm 55 or 60. And the challenge is, is to start it today. And there's a very simple wealth equation that is smart choices, small smart choices, times consistency. So if you make smart choices consistently times time over a long period of time, you are going to get wealthy and that will slowly compound and grow. So don't have the microwave mindset where you want that instant result. Go into it more with the crockpot mentality of knowing that this is a long-term game and a lot of ground can be covered in one year, two years, 10 years, 20 years. So keep that in mind as you go on your wealth building journey and whichever vehicle you do choose, just make sure that you have the right knowledge, you have the right team, and most importantly, that you have the right you and the right mindset because you got to have the right person like yourself to run the plan and the model for the plan and the model to work. Very well said. Procrastination is such a killer. It's uh, doing nothing by definition is still doing something. It's a choice. You've, you've chosen not to do something to move you forward. Right. Great point. I don't know if you touched upon this at the very beginning, but I'd like to wrap up by um, a comment you had made. I heard you on another podcast, and I didn't finish listening to it, but you were talking about teaching your kids about real estate investing. This is something I'm actively doing right now with my nine-year-old daughter. Awesome. Yeah, and so you know, I, I'm I'm I've taught her how to play Monopoly, so she's really into that, and and you know, we've got the cash flow board games. Um, and my next move is to put her on an airplane and take her out to Kansas city and, you know, show her some of the properties that we're rehabbing out there. And that's great. You know, ultimately they will probably be hers. So I figured, you know what, I better start indoctrinating her on how, you know, how rent is paid and collected and who lives there and all that stuff. But yeah, tell me about, you know, your, your philosophy and what you're doing with teaching kids. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a missing conversation, right? I don't I don't know if your parents had it with you or for your guests who are listening to this interview right now. I don't know if their families had it for them, but for most people in the wealth building space, it's a missing conversation. And if it is something that you are truly committed to doing, why would you not want to empower your kids to truly understand how to take that baton and run with it when it's their turn? to create it for themselves and to run with what you have created for your family. And so in order to truly pass on generational wealth, I want you to think of the idea that you're a quarterback, right? And we can use, you know, Aaron Rodgers, for example. And Aaron Rodgers is a professional. He's a highly skilled quarterback. He knows all the plays. He knows the ins and outs of how to navigate the industry and the field. And I want you to think of your kids as the receivers and if your kids didn't know how to run the plays and they didn't know how to 
you know, navigate the landscape and when they caught the pass, where to run or what to do with it, then you're setting your kids up for failure. And it doesn't matter how great Aaron Rodgers is. If they can't catch the pass or they don't know what to do with the pass when they get it, then nothing is going to be accomplished in that. And so in order to empower your children and your family and the the future generations of people around you to take that wealth and really not only do great things with it, but also to make sure that it doesn't destroy them, you need to become the coach. And so that's where I've really tried to drill down into a lot of people's heads, including myself. You know, I just turned 28 and I'm on this journey. I plan to be on it for a really long time. And as I continue to learn, the best way for me to serve myself and those around me is to become the coach and empower them to do it for themselves, their families, or when I decide to hand it off to my children, that they know what to do with it and they can use that wealth that, you know, I've created to do great things, to have a purpose behind it, and to really just be empowered to take it to that next level without, you know, being unequipped to to make the right moves. That's such a great analogy. I love that. I'm gonna I might have to borrow that analogy. Have at it, man. <laughs> Maddie, tell our listeners how they can find you and get more information because this was just a good introduction, but I know there's so much more to it. So, Yeah, absolutely. Well, I have um, obviously my podcast, Millionaire Mindcast, where I study millionaires um, on their wealth building journey and you know extract some of the great information. So a lot of this stuff, I'm just shepherding information beyond to, to share with other people. And um, you can find that on iTunes. I'm on Facebook at Maddie Aitchison or I have Snapchat at Maddie Aitchison and a lot of people that are interested in, you know, flipping. On the contrary, I have a mastermind group, sixfigureflipper.com that we're about to launch another mastermind group, a very, very reasonable discounted price from, you know, the massive, you know, two, five, ten, twenty thousand dollar courses. I just want to get this information out there and empower other people to build wealth for themselves through mentorship and surrounding yourself with other people on that same journey. So if, if anybody's interested, feel free to check out sixfigureflipper.com and uh, that's how you can connect with me. Yeah, I'll put that in the show notes. Wonderful. Great. Maddie, thank you so much for your time and um, we'll certainly be uh, talking here in the future because I, I would like to uh, check out your program. Sounds great, man. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, Maddie. Are you having a hard time finding great investment properties? Unfortunately, the best deals are rarely found locally. Successful investing begins with the right properties in the right markets. Norada Real Estate provides everything you need to invest in the best deals across the U.S. Our simple, proven system will help you create real wealth and passive monthly cash flow. Get your free copy of the ultimate guide to passive real estate investing at noradarealestate.com slash guide. That's N-O-R-A-D-A realestate.com slash guide. Nothing on this show should be considered specific personal or professional advice. Please consult an appropriate legal, tax, real estate, or business professional for individualized advice. For distribution or publication rights and media interviews, please contact the host.